Contracts, salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Hey guys, welcome back to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. I'm Andrew Brandt. Listen, I had some guests lined up. We got a couple good podcasts in the can ready to go. I just felt like with all the the politics sports mix of the past few days with what's going on, try not to be too political about this, but really try to provide some perspective and insight from someone that's been on both sides, the player's side and the owner's side in my career. So thought I'd do a rant, thought I'd do a branch rant about what's going on. Really so much to unpack here. I was sitting around Friday night and I saw those comments and it's sort of that thing where you sort of raise one eyebrow and you're thinking, that's not going to be good. That's not going to be good. We know the president is bombastic, has bravado, and when he gets in front of his base, which was absolutely the case on Friday night, things get going. When he goes off teleprompter, you never know what's going to happen. We never know what group's going to be targeted. You never know where he's going to make threats, where he's going to be intimidating, where he's going to be boastful, where he's going to make slights against people. And it seemed like the chosen group for Friday night and doubling down Saturday and Sunday and Monday has been the NFL and its players. A direct frontal attack, calling players sons of bitches, get them off the field for protesting, even throwing, officiating with, with violence. Of course, the NFL has been trying to make have player safety its number one stated priority. Then you have the President of the United States saying these referees are throwing guys out of these big hits and 15 yards for big hits. That's wrong? Well, wait a minute. The NFL is trying to make it safer, trying to get rid of these big hits. So even on the safety part alone, a direct assault on the NFL, on the officials themselves, talking about the wife and of the official is at home, being very proud of the referee that threw the flag, left no stone unturned in terms of NFL stakeholders. The two that I'm going to talk about, as I do often, are uh, the players and the owners. We'll talk about NBA players as well and the NBA coaches' response compared to the NFL coaches. Often a stark response when it comes to social issues, and that is no exception here. Really a stark difference when you talk about Greg Popovich saying he's embarrassed for our country and Steve Kerr being uh, just incredibly critical of the president. David Fisdale, other NBA owners, compared to NFL owner, uh, NFL coaches, excuse me, who really haven't heard much at all, uh, who are much more, I guess, sort of law and order, and much more hesitant to support, to criticize Trump, perhaps even supporting him. Anyway, a lot to unpack, as I said, on the player coach angle here, at player owner angle, and and let's just start there. This is an issue that has united both fronts. Okay, let's go through the stakeholders involved here in the labor, labor issue. Uh, players, owners, NFLPA, NFL, labor, management, commissioner, union, all these stakeholders in the NFL that have been so contentious that can't agree on the color of the sky, that can't agree what to have for, for breakfast, that can't agree about, you name it, Ray Rice, Adrian Peterson, Greg Hardy, Tom Brady, Ezekiel Elliott, lawyers, lawyers, lawyers only communicate in court, have no like for each other, have no respect for each other, have no trust with each other. All of that, they agree. And what they agree is their unified stance against President Trump and the statements he made. So, 
Everyone stepped up to the mic, the Twitter mic, if you will, on Saturday from ownership point of views, denouncing it. Now, again, the player statements were much more caustic, much more abrasive, much more pointed and direct at the president than were the owner statements. There is a noticeable difference in that. Players all came out. They felt attacked. And then we talk, we'll talk about the actual protests in a minute. But here's the thing. The owner statements seem scripted, obviously, and some of them, like Robert Kraft, talked about tone. A lot of them talked about unity, sort of bouncing around. Even the NFL statement never actually referred to President Trump making the comments. Just talked about these divisive comments. Hey, listen, no one is against division in public statements, right? Unity is big. Unity sells. Unity is going to be... This was an easy stance to make for so many, even though at the time of recording this, I believe Jerry Jones has not yet come out in any kind of statement about what the president said. But this is something where I think these owners could actually look at Trump and say, yeah, we didn't like it, but here's our statement in support of the players, but we're still behind you. In other words, saying things about unity and we don't need division and these are divisive comments things they would probably say to President Trump, even while supporting him, and so many have. I don't have the list in front of me, but seven owners giving a million dollars or more, or maybe it's just a million dollars to the Trump campaign, starting the day with Shad Khan, the owner of the Jaguars, arm in arm with players, while he has, uh, while he's denounced protesting against Trump, perhaps, uh, while he's given the money. And listen, Back to the main point here. Players, owners, league, union, all in unison against the president. That's an easy give. I, I sort of looked at this all weekend and I say, first of all, kind of in jest, well, here's a hell of a time to negotiate a collective bargaining agreement. Everybody agrees. Everybody's kumbaya. Everybody's hoy hand in hand. Everybody's arm in arm. Let's get something done besides just stand and protest. And I'm being partly facetious, but I'm like, well, let's keep that moment. Let's keep that harmony and see if we can get something done for good. And, and speaking of that, what if all this energy we have going into these protests, all this energy about what to push back against, all this energy about how to protest on game day was used for something else? What if the energy was used to to go help the community, to go inside the community, to really help young people, to try to be a bridge, to get police and people together. I just wonder if this energy can be used a better way. I'm not saying players shouldn't be affronted by what happened. I'm not saying there shouldn't be protests. Protest is an American form, and there's no one that owns protests. It's an American. It's, demo it's democracy at work. I get it. But here's the thing. First of all, what happens next? And that, to me, is going to be the answer, the key, the key question and the answer we have. What happens next? Because the next is important as the now. Now we understand the president made these comments right on the precipice of an NFL weekend Players get together. Saturday was a big discussion day. Saturday is typically a walkthrough day. Meetings at night, whether you're at home, you report to the team hotel at night. 
on the road, you take a flight, you have some time off, you get together at night. Believe you me, in all of these meetings at night, players are meeting and figuring out what they're going to do. We had teams that were arm-in-arm with some players kneeling. We had teams that stayed in the locker room, which was interesting. We're going to see what precedent that would set. We had teams that had no players kneeling or sitting, all arm-in-arm. So all these different modes of unity, which is perhaps not the same as protest, happening over this past weekend. But what next? What's next? Already, we have seen one of the teams that chose to stay inside the locker room, save for one player, Alejandro Villanueva, who came out, former military, and hand on his heart, sang the national anthem all by himself. I felt sorry for him. Now he feels sorry that he wasn't with his team and feels guilty about it. It's an interesting development, especially with Ben Roethlisberger come out and saying he regrets the way they did it. And it turns out with the with the Steelers, some wanted to kneel, some wanted to stand. Coach Tomlin decided, well, we're all going to be together in this, and they stayed in. Will they stay in next week? It doesn't sound like it. At least Ben Roethlisberger doesn't want to do that. They put Alejandro Villanueva in a tough spot. He thinks he put himself, his teammates, in a tough spot. So you do have some friction. What happens next? What happens if teams do want to stay inside some more? Technically, that's against the NFL rules. Would they enforce it? Doubtful. The NFL has been very much in support of players. Will that change? They were in support of players when it was popular to do so on the first weekend of this. Will they continue to support players going forward? Will they continue to support players if these protests become rituals and weekly and players over here kneeling and players over here sitting and all players arm in arm, but maybe not some arm in arm. The uniformity the NFL likes, will that still be there? The NFL has to figure it out from a team angle. I was a team executive. When something like this happens, what I would want to do is meet with our player leaders. Is this the best way to handle this? What's a way that you on the player side, us on the management side, can feel comfortable about this. Is it going to affect our audience? Is it going to affect our business? These are all concerns going forward once we get past the emotion, this politics sports cocktail of this initial weekend. I wonder what's next. To me, it's always about moving the ball forward, pardon the football pun. What is the next thing? How are they going to do this? So we'll look at And then, again... These locker rooms are not all harmonious. You have player groups, often divided by race, sometimes divided by position. You have situations where players do not always get along. You have fights in in weight rooms over the music played. Again, that's the reality of bringing in 60, including practice squad injured guys, 70 players from all different backgrounds, all different races, all different Uh, modes of growing up, country, rural, city, urban. And that's a toxic mix when things aren't going well. It's early in the season now, but there's some teams starting to lose games. What if this sort of boils over into no protest versus protest? All the things I sort of think about when I say, okay, we've got this solidarity moment in late September, but what happens in mid-October, mid-November? Could this create more division? And how is the NFL, how are teams, 
How is the union going to respond when you have internal bickering among players? Is the union going to have a position other than let players do what they want? Well, let players do what they want may cause other players to not appreciate some players doing what they want. This is something we have to look for. I think that's something to watch in all of this. Uh, I have personal opinions on the politics of what's going on now. I think it's uh, unfortunate that we have a president that seems to speak off the cuff. Uh, I don't think we can expect him to be what we term as presidential. Uh, I think a lot of people have hope for that, that he would change off in from candidate mode into some kind of presidential mode. I think he's okay when he speaks from a teleprompter, but I think his natural instincts again, are to be full of bravado, are to attack, are to be very concerned about uh, being in his base. He spoke to his base Friday night. He was speaking to his base throughout the tweets. And I guess here's the thing. I think there's a base out there that has to be, if you're the NFL, you do have a little concern that despite the solidarity against what he said, there are people listening. And again, I want to be clear here. Uh, I just think when I look at what's going on around the country, this could affect uh, the way people feel about the NFL, and he's playing to that. Whether it is racial, I don't think so. It's just this feeling like whatever he says, yes. People talk about uh, Trump in ways that you just don't get it. Uh, He... You know, what he did along the campaign trail, you would think, well, that thing will, that thing will, you know, that'll bury him. Nope. Grabbing a woman by private parts. Nope. Didn't bury him. Making fun of the, the, the man at the convention holding up the Constitution. Nope. That didn't bury him. Uh, denigrating handicapped people. That didn't bury him. Denigrating Mexicans. That didn't bury him. Denigrating all sorts of people. That didn't bury him. So people that think, now he's in trouble. I just don't know because it just seems like he has so many people that it just seems like he can continue to do these things. And I just think there's a base out there that may be more silent than we see on Twitter and social media and in media that is listening. And here's my just little anecdotal evidence. And I again, this is just a tiny little thing, but something that struck me over the weekend you know, I retweeted some of these player comments. I retweeted the the owners. I retweeted the commissioner, the NFLPA. I did probably make some of my own tweets, maybe in support of the players. And just just anecdotally, on a normal NFL weekend, especially with games as exciting as they were this weekend, like the Eagles, the Packers, so many of those great games, uh, I'd gain, you know, 50, 75, 100 Twitter followers through the weekend. And I was tweeting about football all weekend as well. This past weekend, with, as I said, supportive tweets for the player positions in this, uh, I lost a lot of Twitter followers. I, I don't know why. I mean, I just, I just think there is this feeling that sports and politics shouldn't mix. Now, I, this is not about sticking to sports. I have never stuck to sports, and I, you know, I have a pretty strong following out there because I try to give nuggets about all sort of business things that can 
overlap with sports, sports things that overlap with business, uh, my own personal stuff, whether it be my kids or my workouts, my health and fitness, my music, whatever it is. Um, so I've never stuck to sports and I've got my following. But it was reduced, not by a lot. I don't know, 20, 30, 50. Um, but usually I gain a lot on a Twitter week, on a weekend in the NFL. So it's just a little thing that I'm like, okay. Where I think it's more so that people just don't want to be bothered. They want their football as a relief. They want their football as a reward for a long, hard week. And they wanted to hear Twitter, I think, just about the games. And maybe they didn't, some didn't appreciate me taking a bit of a side. But it is interesting that I saw that little anecdotal thing. And I just think this is something that's been going on in our country. Uh, there's division. Um, Trump appealed to a base that felt that they were ignored, that felt that people weren't listening to him. And he went to a, a populace that had seen politics as usual not work. And here he was, the answer. Uh, and it worked for him, and he maintains this base despite all of these incredibly divisive things that have gone on in his administration. Uh, I think, I just think about Friday night. I mean, the, what he said about the NFL, about the ratings are down, which I'll, I'll finish this up with in a minute, about you know the referee and, and, and throw him out of the game and get the son of a bitch off the field. Everything he said was met with thunderous applause. Maybe not thunderous, but, I mean, he was being egged on. And that's what he does. He gets these people riled up. And that just sort of struck me like, well, wait a minute. I mean, are we, we in media, we commentators, someone with perspective, someone who's been inside the NFL, are we seeing this the right way? Because he's got all these people like, wow. So there is this thing happening, which maybe I'm late to the party. It's been happening all along, obviously. But that's that's a part of this uh, that is a little scary. Um, and that's my little soapbox about this. A uh, final point on the ratings, and I wrote about this for The Athletic this week. Rating schmatings. <laughs> I mean, what is the point of ratings? We're going to hear it. I mean, obviously the ratings are up after the, all the interest in this for this weekend. Ratings were down the first couple weekends. We had hurricanes. Ratings are going to be up and down and up and down. My point is, who cares? Here's the point. Do we really think Fox, CBS, NBC, ESPN, DirecTV are going to go away from the NFL when times come up for the New Deal because of ratings? No. Do we think all these networks have alternative programming that can compete with NFL programming and track the demographic male 18 to 40, 54, and can attract the shoulder programming, the lead-in programming to their other entertainment like the NFL? Of course not. Do we think there's going to be any of those networks driving such a hard bargain as to eliminate themselves from bidding of the NFL? Of course not. And here's the kicker. They are not going to be the only players at the table. What has the NFL done the past couple of years? Well, they've had Yahoo stream a game. Now Verizon, which owned Yahoo, streamed a game last week, Jacksonville, Baltimore, from London. They gave Twitter 10 games last year, uh, simulcast over the top along with NFL Network and CBS and NBC. 
That was $10 million. Well, they got a 500% increase this year from Amazon. Ten games, $50 million. Amazon. Next year, it'll be someone else. Next year, it'll be someone else. It'll be Google or Netflix or YouTube or Apple or Facebook. The NFL is diabolically clever here. They're going to have all these people lining up at the table, and they've already shown they're interested in sports properties. Facebook just put in like a $600 million bid for an Indian cricket tournament. They didn't get it, but they put it in. Amazon's rumored to be a player for Premier League Soccer. They will be at the table, people. Along with NBC, along with CBS, along with ESPN, along with DirecTV, along with Fox. And the NFL is not just going to give it to one of those cash-rich giants like Google or Facebook or Apple or Netflix. It's going to give it them and the over-the-air networks, and they're going to get both incomes. So I don't know if ratings matter unless they're just a cratering of the NFL, which I think is extremely remote. I don't think it's going to happen. Yes, I just talked about, I worry about this base turning away because they're listening to Trump and they're sick of football messing with serious topics, but that'll blow over. I just think football is here to stay. The NFL... We've, talk, we've heard people, naysayers, talk about the decline of the NFL for years, and we probably will in 50 years. It'll still be strong. Ratings are schmatings. It doesn't matter. The NFL is going to get boffo numbers because all these people are going to join in and make this deal an incredible one. Okay, so listen. What bears watching, to sum up, is what happens next with these protests and how teams and leagues handle this. Again, this was a harmonious moment this weekend. It was in the firestorm. Everyone sort of took a stand, united against the president's comments. What's going to change? Because the protests aren't going to stop. But is the NFL's ownership and teams and league going to be as tolerant, as accepting, and as non-judgmental about them as they were this past weekend? That is something to watch. Will we have internal debates between players on teams? Starting to see a little bit of that in Pittsburgh. That is something to watch. As far as ratings and whether they go up or down this week or that week, depending on the matchup, depending on what's going on, as it gets colder, I'm sure the ratings will get better. I don't think it matters. I think when it's 2020 or 2021, NFL is going to have a huge deal from all those networks plus one or more of the OTT networks the media giants that are now dominating the world like Amazon. <clears throat> That's our show for this week. I hope uh, you don't mind me indulging me in all those thoughts that I had about the protests, about ratings, about what's going on as we speak. I'm Andrew Brandt. I'll be back next week with another edition of the Business of Sports. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew Brandt. Listen to this podcast on iTunes. Tune in Stitcher, RossTucker.com, anywhere you hear your podcasts. Have a great week. I'll be back next week with another edition of The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Thanks for listening to The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft Podcast, all at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts are found. This Branch Rants edition is sponsored by BetDSI.com. They've been in business for 20 years, paying out to winners on everything, all the sports 
reality TV shows, politics, anything you want. It's an A-plus rated site. It has an easy-to-use mobile playing interface. You play and get paid. You use your sports knowledge. I know people who do it. They really like the ease of making these bets and winning cash every week. They offer the odds. You can use your promo code BUSINESS25. That's capital B, numbers 25. Get a free $25 wager just for registering. If you decide to deposit, you'll get a 200% bonus match on your money. Listen, I know a lot of people who play there, Ray. Recommend it. Add a little excitement to the games you're watching or politics or reality TV. Once again, go to BetDSI.com, promo code BUSINESS25, capital B, numbers 25. Get a free $25 wager on the house. Get a 200% extra bonus when you deposit. That's Business 25. Get your free wager and start winning today at BetDSI.com.